Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, thank you, Anderson. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Prime Time. The president referred to his own great and unmatched wisdom in connection with his decision to let Turkey have its way with the Kurds. And yet his own party is coming at him like never before. This is not a time for him to lose his friends in the face of potential impeachment. We have news on that front, and the president's personal lawyer is here on what the case is for this president on impeachment and that big case over the disclosure of his taxes. This is a big week. What do you say? Let's get after it. Boy, you know, the irony cannot be lost. Republicans have done everything they can to close their eyes to obvious problems with this president. And yet, not this time. When it comes to this new foreign policy controversy about taking U.S. troops out of the region around Syria, you got Senator Graham, Senator McConnell coming at him. Big words, hot words on wanting to withdraw troops from that area. Their concern is obvious. Uh, twofold. One, wrong message to our allies. Who's going to fight beside us if they know we won't stay beside them? And if Turkey goes after the Kurds and starts a slaughter, is that blood on American hands? Let's bring in a perfect guest to talk about both big issues. We have Congresswoman Elaine Luria is a Democrat in a swing district. She's also on the Armed Services and Veterans Affairs Committee and served 20 years in the Navy, retiring as a commander. As we say to all veterans, thank you for your service, Congresswoman, and welcome to primetime. Well, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Help us understand the weaving of politics and policy on the Syria troop withdrawal. The president says, I campaigned on this. Americans are tired of this. We want our boys and girls back home, and I'm doing that. Well, Chris, I really wish I could understand, and I think my colleagues and my colleagues on both sides of the aisle are, are very stupefied. I mean, where did this come from? Um, you've seen Senator McConnell, uh, Liz Cheney, who's also serves with me on the Armed Services Committee, as well as Speaker Pelosi, Elliot Engel on the Foreign Affairs Committee. I mean, everyone is just incredibly concerned. I mean, there is no indication that this was coming, um, that we would pull troops out of Syria and just leave our, our allies of the Kurds, who've been our biggest allies in fighting against ISIS, in the lurch with no solution. So, you know, really, it's just yet another unpredictable episode that, that really we didn't see coming. And, you know, the American people are not sure how to react to this unpredictability from the president. Well, on the we didn't see it coming, I hear you on that. We've heard the same uh, similar has been reported by different outlets. But CNN is told by a couple of people at the Pentagon that the people in command around the president were not taken by surprise. There have been multiple calls about this. But help the American people understand what is the problem here? Everybody wants the troops to come home, not in endless wars around the globe. Why not have this group of people come home from this region? Well, I think it lies in the fact that, you know, we need to stand by our allies and we can't do things in an unpredictable way 
pull out with no notice and leave our allies of the Kurdish forces um, who fought alongside us. They've lost tens of thousands of people in uh, a battle against ISIS. And, you know, we want to say that ISIS is wiped out, but truly they're still a threat. And we pull out um, and we leave a situation where um, Turkey could potentially invade. I think that, you know, having U.S. forces there maintained a certain level of stability. And the reporting that I've seen, like you have, I'm sure, says that, you know, even the Secretary of Defense was unaware that this was coming. And he himself uh, was on the phone with the Minister of Defense from Turkey uh, very recently and had agreed on situations where there would be safe zones. Um, and we would understand, you know, the, the relationship that we had along the, the border with Turkey um, to keep uh, Turkey and Syria essentially um, separated and not at odds. And, and now we're going to pull out with, with no clear plan. Well, we'll see what happens here. Just because the president says something doesn't mean that's actually what happens. And he's certainly got more pushback than he's used to. We'll see what that means in terms of process. Uh, let me ask you a couple other process-related questions. Uh, you, you can't miss the contrast that you have Republicans saying how wrong and they're in high dudgeon and they're angry and they're using angry words about wrong decision making. And this was bad what the president just did with Syria. How can they not feel the same way about an obvious abuse of his power and asking the president of Ukraine to investigate a political opponent? Where is their high dudgeon there, in your opinion? Well, you know, I'm trying to figure that out myself, um, thinking about my background and having served 20 years in the Navy. You know, I didn't serve 20 years in the uniform to watch our Constitution be trampled on. And, and this is just, you know, inexcusable. It seems like a very clear abuse of the president's power, um, use of his power and his position for his own personal gain to malign a future potential uh, political opponent, you know, by requesting a favor um, from a foreign country. And, you know, it just... Uh, it's really hard for me to understand um, how this has become a partisan issue because it seems like a very clear issue to our U.S. national security. And in terms of moving forward and galvanizing any kind of consensus on this, do you think the Democrats made a mistake in going down? Look, I know that so many were arguing that this should have been an impeachment process long ago. But now the criticism is from those on the right that you went down there too fast. You didn't even see the transcript yet. You didn't even have the whistleblower complaint yet. Uh, and it makes it look political and only political. You didn't even have a vote. I know it's not in the procedures that you have to have a vote, but the optics uh, that this had been deliberate. Do you think that uh, this was done the wrong way on any level? I do not. So I would have to say that, you know, I never went to Washington to impeach the president. This is the last place that I would like to see us and I'd like the country to be. And I joined with six other of my colleagues. Um, this was a clear and distinct instance where the president, you know, used his power inappropriately to ask for a foreign leader to, you know, conduct an investigation to find dirt on a political opponent and could have altered the outcome of our next presidential election. And I don't feel like I jumped on this at all. I've been somebody who has never uh, been overtly critical of the president. I truly respect the office of the president as someone who served for 20 years in the military. Um, I really just wish that he respected the office the same way that I do and my colleagues do. Uh, are you behind the Democratic efforts to get the president's taxes? That's part of a big uh, decision today in federal court. A district court judge said uh, that the president is not immune to all criminal process. And this request from the Ways and Means Committee should go forward. It was then stayed that decision pending appeal. Are you behind those efforts to get the taxes? 
You know, Chris, I'm behind all efforts that lead to transparency and for the American public to understand uh, what the president's associations are, his business dealings, and the more of these intertwined things that we're finding with Ukraine, potentially Turkey, calling on China, his you know, relationship with Russia, you know, it all becomes more and more concerning. So every amount of transparency that we can find uh, and provide to the American public is very important to me. Do you have any sense of what kind of timeline you guys are looking at when it comes to impeachment? Do you see this as months or not even before the election, there being enough to have a vote? I think that we're trying to do this in a very methodical way and a very expeditious way. So I would like to see something happen and us move forward with some action before the end of the year. Hmm. Congresswoman, thank you very much. Before the end of the year, that would be ambitious. All right. There's another vet on the other side of the aisle. But on the same page tonight as his Democratic colleague when it comes to Syria, he's also not afraid to stand up to President Trump. Will Congress do anything to stop the pullout? Republican Adam Kinzinger is here next. The president is getting bipartisan backlash tonight because of his decision to withdraw troops from Syria's border with Turkey. Why? Well, they say the job isn't done, but more importantly, if you abandon our Kurdish allies, there may well be a bloodletting by the Turks. Even Mitch McConnell and Senator Lindsey Graham are condemning the move and using hot language about this being wrong and a wrong exercise of presidential power, even calling it irresponsible, unnerving to its core. Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger served in Iraq now serves on the Foreign Relations Committee. He joins us now with his take on primetime. Congressman, thank you very much. Uh, The president pushing back uh, with a lot of determination to critics within his own party and without about his new policy uh, about Turkey and Syria. He has two lines of defense. The first one is, this is what I promised. I'm getting Americans out. This is what Americans want. What's your take? Well, first off, you know, president has to lead. And that's where a lot of times when people look at public opinion polls, it's America's knee-jerk reaction to want to get out of any war. I understand that because they have to have leaders that explain why we're doing it. We're actually generally a pretty peaceful country. And so when the president says, you know, look, I'm getting out because of all these reasons, and he talks about endless war, and he talks about that kind of stuff, I mean, the reality is, is terrorism's real. And the decision to end a war is not really ours to make. When you have a whole group of folks that say, you know, look, we're going to go and we're going to create a terrorist attack, whether it's in Iraq or in the United States, uh, that's not our choice. They haven't changed their mind on it. And so, yes, it may have been a campaign promise, but when you become president, I think it has to be more than a campaign promise. And secondarily, too, what we're talking about is the exact kind of fight that those that were against, for instance, the Iraq war and everything else were we're talking about, you know, a, a small group of American soldiers that can empower local indigenous forces to fight that fight. That's exactly what our troops are doing there. And now to say that somehow this is an endless war, I just have to vehemently disagree. The president says Turkey's our friend. Uh, This is his land. Turkey's got concerns. They say these people have terroristic uh, intentions against them. I don't want to get in the way. Yeah, look, I mean, look, there's no doubt there have been real tensions between Turkey and some of the Kurds. Some of that Turkey is legitimately upset about. 
But that is painting the Kurds with a broad brush. Now, this is the group that we determined back under the last president that we were going to empower to push back and be what we weren't willing to do. We weren't going to put a lot of ground troops on the ground to occupy territory. So we asked the Kurds to do it. They did it willingly. They took a lot of casualties and a lot of death. And then now to abandon them because Turkey's still upset. It's going to send another message again. I mean, too many times America in the past has left our allies behind because we just didn't want to be there anymore. What's going to happen in the next war that inevitably will come in our future history when we have to ask locals to fight with us? Are they going to trust us? I don't know. Uh, the Pentagon says they were surprised. People in military leadership around this president uh, say they were surprised. The president says, I consulted with everybody like I always do. Do you believe the president on this? Uh, it's kind of hard to see. Um, I, I don't think he would have consulted with everybody. He may have asked Rand Paul and, and maybe a few others and maybe did talk to some in the military, but they were surprised. And I think the thing to keep in mind, you know, the military wouldn't want to have 100,000 troops in Syria, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, we hear that there were many in the military that wanted to pull back on the strikes in Iran. But they understand the importance of having a few hundred troops that can get intelligence from the ground that you can't get from the sky, right. that can empower local forces, which you can't do from the sky. And so, yeah, it's important. So, segue, here's what I don't get. Uh, we all know the president has the power to do this. You guys are taking issue because you don't like the choice. In fact, you think the choice is wrong. And Republicans are hot. They're using hot language about this president. In fact, the kind of language I've never heard them use before. Is this some kind of projection from all the emotion that's not being used on the Ukraine matter? If this is so wrong and worth getting hot about, how can you look at a president asking a president of another sovereign, Ukraine, to investigate his opponent and not say it's wrong and not get hot about that? Well, you're asking the wrong Republican that question because I think you know, what he asked of the Ukrainian president and what I read in the transcript certainly leads to a lot of questions that need answered. So was it wrong? Uh, that's that. There may be some. What's that? Was it wrong what he did? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, look, it's it's if there's a lot that the Democrats are going to find out in this inquest they're doing. But if you found out that he held that, if he held the aid contingent upon that, that's one thing. I think it's just wrong for a president to talk to a foreign leader about anything regarding our domestic politics, period. Now, the question, which we all get into is, does that rise to the level of impeachment? And unfortunately, I think we're doing a disservice by saying you either have two options. You either want to impeach the president or you're defending him in everything he can do. I think there's something in the middle there, which is this can be wrong. I don't think it rises to the level of impeachment. The Democrats are going to find out everything they will, though. You can argue all day about whether or not it's worthy of removal of office, but that's not where your party is. With a few exceptions, and you're one of them, Congressman, they won't even say that it's wrong what he did. They'll say, oh, yeah, but what about Joe Biden? Oh, yeah, but what about Obama uh, with Medvedev? And what about when Santa Claus didn't come on time? They have something to say instead of acknowledging, you know it's wrong. It has to be wrong. How wrong? How abusive? What does it mean? That's a separate question. But we can never get to the second one if we can't agree on the first. Fair point? Yeah, I think it's a fair point, but it's also fair to say to my colleagues on the other side that are pushing this, that are saying, if you're not for, I mean, I, look, I've read all the comments. I don't really look at Twitter actually though anymore, Good but you, you see people that say, well, if you, if you're going to attack, if you're going to attack the president, you're never doing enough if you're not going to impeach him. Well, that's the problem then. Then everybody basically has to go to their corner. So I think if we can have a real discovery of, from my view on it is this, there's going to be a day when president, president Trump is no longer president, maybe in a year and maybe in five years. Uh, 
And then as Republicans, there'll be another Democratic president at some point in the future. We have to be able to, when we call out any bad behavior, we have to be able to say that we did it equally. Now, you can have your partisan leanings, of course, and I do too. Um, but I think when it comes down to things like calling out bad behavior, we have to do it. And we have to True. be fair all the way around. Congressman Kinzinger, thank you for coming on to speak truth to the you American bet. people. Appreciate it, as always. You bet. All right, so this is very interesting on two levels because, yes, how we treat our allies, what we do in that region of the world vis-a-vis -vis terrorism is very important. But you can't get away from the surprise of seeing Republicans so outspoken, so disrespectful even arguably about the president about that issue, but nothing on Ukraine. Why aren't there more cracks in the GOP's Ukraine firewall? It's certainly every bit as worthy of attack as the Syria decision. A former Republican House Intel chair is going to help us understand the policy in that region and in this other foreign region known as Washington, D.C. Next. Why are Republicans willing to come out against the president on Syria, but not on Ukraine? And in fact, they continue to twist themselves up in knots when it comes to owning an obvious wrong there. Just to say it, it's not their responsibility. Maybe we're missing something. Let's bring in someone who misses very little. Former Congressman Mike Rogers knows the stakes, knows the inside game, understands what matters in Syria and in our nation's capital. Good to see you, my brother. Great to see you, my friend. So help the American people understand. We want our boys and girls home. We don't want to waste money and blood in these foreign places. You said we beat ISIS. Why can't they come home? Yeah, and, and listen, I think there's nobody uh, other than the military and, the, and uh, the national security establishment would love to come home. Here's the problem. ISIS is a very real problem, and it still is today. If we can wish it away, we can want it to go away, uh, it's still there. Uh, and it has the chance to metastasize again across different borders. So the reason we have a small contingency there is to help and coordinate with the troops who have done most of the fighting and candidly most of the dying in defeating ISIS. Remember all of that land that they mm -hmm. held, Chris, and then that was pushed back. And by the way, the president should get a lot of credit for that. He's the one that kind of said, Take, you know, put your, put your foot on the gas, go get them. And the way we went to get them uh, is we uh, allowed our special forces community and others to leverage up the capability of these Kurdish fighters. We trained them. We gave them intel packages about where to target. Uh, we provided certain logistics package. We gave them mm -hmm. medical treatment, all the things they needed to do to be successful on the battlefield. Right. Uh, and we said, we're going to be with you. And by the way, they've got some powerful enemies. They had the Turks that didn't like it. They have the Russians, the Iranians, the, uh, the Syrians, Assad, all don't like them and would like a pound of flesh. And what we just did is we turned right around and walked away from them and said, you know, hey, thanks for helping us push back ISIS. I hope this works out for you. Which is what uh, we've been accused of by others in the region who are one's friends uh, or not. All right. I hear you on that. Yeah. Now, help me uh, translate it into another problem that we're dealing with right now. They are going after the president on Syria saying you made the wrong call here. Uh, it's unnerving. It's all these bad things. They say none of that about Ukraine when the case is much more demonstrable there that he did something that's wrong than in Syria. You may not like what he did in Syria, but certainly he's got the power. Certainly it's fine for him to make that kind of call. Whereas in Ukraine, 
They know what he did is wrong, Mike. I'm not saying it's impeachable. That's that's a political discussion. It has to go on on a basis of understandings we don't yet have from the Democrats. But who can look at that call and the surrounding circumstances of the texts and Mr. Volcker's testimony as understood at this point and not think it was wrong to do what he did? Yeah, right. And, and, and so bear with me. There are Republicans who have come out and said, hey, this is inappropriate. It's wrong. Uh, you know, elected Republicans. I certainly have done it. But if you look at a Porter, if you look at um, if you look at uh, uh, Romney, excuse me, Portman, having, a, having a senior Romney. moment, Portman, sorry, Portman, Romney, Kingsinger. There have been others who have come out as well. They just don't ha- haven't been as public. So what you're seeing is what you're you're just not seeing this mass rush to the microphone to condemn him. And I, in a way, I get it. Remember, a lot of these folks are saying, OK, no, I don't like it. Yes, it is inappropriate. I do want to see the facts. And the, on contrary to that, remember what the American people are seeing back home, Chris. They're seeing this rush of Democrats to the microphone saying, impeach him, put him in solitary confinement. I want a very fair and quick trial so we can have a very quick hanging. All of this is happening there. He's guilty. He's guilty. It's impeachment. Let's get him. All of that confuses people. And I think members are saying, "Okay, listen, I do think it's inappropriate. Uh, Let me find out what the facts are here. Is it impeachable? I think that's a big question. I don't think the Democrats have proved that yet, Um, including the folks who are doing the investigation. I mean, they released the whistleblower report. To me, that was a highly partisan act and, and I think dangerous to the whistleblower. Uh, this, you know, the same committee came out you know, months ago and said, I have seen in, you know, information uh, that, uh, uh, that proves collusion. Well, it, just, it confuses people. It looks partisan. And the longer this looks partisan, the more you're going to have people kind of reserve back saying, I'm just going to find out what's going on before I say something I'm going to regret in six months. It will never be nonpartisan. Anytime you got politicians involved, it's like saying that human beings can get anything completely right. Are you saying there's politics in Washington, D.C.? I'm saying that human, it is human to err, and you're going to have agenda find its way into something that's already an inherently political process. But here's our dinner bet. You will never have the Democrats make a compelling case to Republican ears that this was an abuse of power that rises to the level of impeachment. I'm an eternal optimist. If they find crimes, high crimes and misdemeanors, I think you will see members move that way. If you don't, it's going to be a political manure show, as my mother would say. (laughs) Your mother would never say that. Uh, Mike, thank you very much. I appreciate it, as always. All right, so like everything else, through the looking glass, the president lost in district court today. Is that a loss? No, says his attorney. It's a win because they got a stay of the decision pending appeal. By the way, that happens a lot. But one of his main counselors says, no, I got it wrong. And what we're trying to do on taxes, we want to see them. That's wrong. And what's happening with impeachment, that's wrong. So the case from counsel, next. All right, so we had a decision from a federal district court today. This was between the Department of Justice on behalf of the president uh, going after the Manhattan district attorney saying you can't have his taxes either. Now, the federal district court judge agreed that the district attorney can have the taxes. He rejected the arguments on behalf of the president, but that decision was stayed pending appeal. Big win says the president's attorney, Jay Sekulow. And he says impeachment will be a big win as well. Counsel joins us tonight. Thank you as always, sir. 
Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. All right. Help me understand this. How is the okay. district court saying, I reject all of your arguments, turn over the taxes, a win? Well, it's a win because the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit immediately within, literally, Chris, within about 10 minutes of us filing the application for stay, granted it and noted, and I'm reading from the opinion, the unique issues raised by this appeal because it's the constitutional issues right. that we raised here. This is not, I, I want to say something here. I want you to think about this. Could you, there are 5,000 uh, DAs and assistant district attorneys throughout the United States. Could you imagine if the president of the United States was subject to individual investigations by DAs for whatever reason they so choose. You, yes. The founders were concerned about that. They said they didn't want local magistrates impacting the president's role as under Article II, com not only commander in chief, but chief executive of the United States and the unique right. constitutional role the president plays in right. our constitutional look, structure. I, I mean, look, yep. we know that all of this grows out of an office of legal counsel opinion. You know, the district judge today rejected the idea that the president of the United States could be immune from all criminal legal process pending his term or her term. Um, now, just to be clear, Jay, for the audience at home, getting a stay yeah. is not a statement by the appellate court that you're going to win. Yes, this is novel and arguably unique issues because it is the president. It hasn't been tested before. And we're seeing something different. But that's why you got the stay. You didn't get the stay because it's a win. Well, hold it. You know, there's 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 multiple reasons why you get stays including is there a likelihood of success on the merits? Is there irreparable harm? Is the decision uh, raising or the opinions or issues that are raised in the petition for a stay uh, significant? Yeah, they so gave you the unique issues. Stay, hey, look, the district court judge wasn't going to give us another 10 minutes. But the court of appeal, which I think is also a little bit absurd, frankly, to argue that these are not significant constitutionals, frankly, is ridiculous. So what did the court of Wait, appeals do? They so issued a stay. Why is it so ridiculous, Jay? Let's go slow, because remember, you've, well, got this you, okay. you've got this highly developed legal yeah. mind. For the audience, they're not mostly lawyers. The, the question is this. Show us the taxes. The Manhattan DA says, show me the taxes. I'm looking at a state um, potential charge for how these women were paid. Uh, by your lawyer, Michael Cohen, and uh, possible state crimes as a result of that. I want the taxes. Congress wants the taxes for different reasons. But this is about turning over your taxes, not just throwing you in jail. Let me well, quote what the U.S. District Court judge did in California when the state of California passed a, a piece of legislation, became a law that said to be on the primary ballot, you had to provide five years worth of your tax returns right. if you're running for president. What did the court there say? It's not constitutional. Why? Violated freedom of association and the presidential qualification clause of the United States Constitution. Well, the now, judge, hold on a second. You, hold you, on, you, hold on, JJ. The court, the, it's yep. major part of the holding was we don't like the slippery slope of states being able to create their own tailored qualifications for national office. Because it violates That's what the it Constitution. Was. And by the way, that may be appealed no, because also. Because it violates the Constitution. No. The, actually, Chris, to be specific, the court said that the actual law itself was unconstitutional. Right. They did say that. Unconstitutional. Right, but they can appeal that too. the Constitution. Well, good. We're going to, yeah, I mean, saying, I think we'll even win that in the ninth yeah, circuit. But what but I'm saying is, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just, so, just for people okay, at sure. home, Jay, you yeah. getting to yeah, appeal yeah. this decision is not a big win because when they appeal out there, does that mean they won? No. But the bigger issue for people at home, well, Jay, hold, is hold it. why not just hold turn it. over the taxes? This wasn't just an appeal. Why not just uh, turn Chris, over the taxes? This wasn't, well, we're not required to. When the people elected the president 
to become the president, he had not issued his tax return. It's not required in the Constitution. So you think what? we should have enough? Why don't we say we? Because the Constitution doesn't require it, Chris. But let me but talk that doesn't to you mean about the Constitution says you point. shouldn't. Go ahead, make whatever point you want. Now, wait. Now, Chris, the Constitution is not a negative inference. The Constitution is a set of positive rights yes. that exist and set out and a structure of And responsibilities and duties. You, you don't get to do that. Okay, so let's talk about this. You, you mentioned that the DA is asking for the same thing that the uh, Congress is asking for. You're 100% correct. You and I agree. We're friends, we'll agree. We're friends, we don't disagree. But on this one, we'll agree. Yes, the Congress is asking for exactly what the DA is asking for. In fact, their subpoena was word for word with commas, one or two additional words added, exactly what the House of Representatives asked for. That was their subpoena. They didn't even bother to draft their own one. So, so what? what is this? This is Congress. If this is like, Cy Vance is like the extension of the United States Congress. They couldn't get the returns because guess what? We got those states Listen, too. If they and hadn't I made the back payoffs the to the here. women the way they would, they wouldn't have Cy Vance crawling up their backside. And hey, remember, hey, this hey, look, isn't some look, frivolous attempt to put the president in jail. They're just asking for his taxes. He keeps saying he has nothing to hide. Then show the taxes and all this goes away. And well, I think Chris, I'm Chris, probably paying gotta, for all I got to ask you a question. I got I to gotta ask you a question here. You're acting as if, the, you know, I was on another program on another network earlier today. Called Fox, and they, Sean Hannity? They, they, I heard no, you, brother. No, it was called Ari Melberg. It's oh, that one earlier. Yeah, specific. I saw that. I saw okay, that one too. Yeah. So we, yeah, so we had a conversation not quite as, uh, as interesting as this, I'll say. But we had a conversation where we talked about some of the issues that you're raising. And one of the things he said was, why don't you just put, why doesn't everybody just waive their privileges? Why, who cares about executive privilege? Just have everybody testify. As if that does not impact no, I don't agree the way with that. our Constitution. Yeah, I don't okay. agree with that, but why this is you, different. Okay, so why do you, you'd say you don't agree with it. Why do you not agree with that? Why do you think that in that case, you should not just waive your constitutional privileges? I think or the executive, executive privilege, privilege First of all, it exists. You have no privilege to not show your taxes. And the privilege you don't have exists a requirement that you do show yeah, your so taxes, what? Just be, There are a lot of things that you do because it's right, not just because you're forced to, especially in politics. Well, hold on. But, hey, hey, Chris, I'm the lawyer. What yes. is my job? My job is to look at the Constitution, see what's at play, see what the issues are. You take the facts, you apply it to the law. Is there a positive requirement requiring tax returns to be produced if you're Does running for president? Does it say anywhere in the Constitution no. that the president can't be prosecuted? The entire structure of the Constitution presupposes that. That's it why does. we have separate branches Look, of government. One of the That's most fundamental understandings is no one's above the law. What about the, the supremacy And then clause? you guys walk into well, federal court and say, accept him? Hold it. No, one, no one's above the law, but no one is below the law. And you're not required to show your tax returns for your job. The president wasn't required to show his tax returns for his. And what are they looking for in New York? They want to say no one else could get the tax returns we did. No, so, they have the a way, case the there that happened in their state that arguably violated the law. He was related to it. He lied about being related to it. Can, can, can now I, they know he was related so, to it and they want his taxes. Hold on. I want you to make your argument. Yep. I need more time. Let me take a break. We'll finish this and we'll talk Always. impeachment. President's counsel, Jay Sekulow, yep. right after the break. 
All right, quick recap. We're getting after it with President Trump's personal lawyer, Jay Sekulow. On the political side, I'm arguing with him about the taxes. It's transparency. He's saying, from a legal perspective, if we don't have to, then we should do it when we want to, not when we're being forced. So now we were talking about the legal, uh, where this is going to go from here. Jay Sekulow says, we won, we got to stay. I say no. That's not a win. We'll see what happens. These are unique issues. Now, something that I want you to defend from the district court, and here's why I think you will lose on appeal. Um, the, the district court judge, Jay, said this is repugnant to the Constitution, what you are arguing, that the idea of federal supremacy and presidential immunity from judicial process uh, is unqualified and boundless in its reach. It cuts across the grain of constitutional precedent. In other words, it comes from the Office of Legal Counsel, not case law. Not legislation, certainly not from the Constitution. I think you don't have basis and you don't have good application. You're going to lose. What's your argument? Well, I think, first of all, I think it's exactly in the Constitution, the supremacy cause, the whole idea of separation of powers. So I think it's clearly in the Constitution. I think I think we're going to win. Uh, it may go to the Supreme Court ultimately. I think we win there as well. I don't think so. I, we're going to win this. Here's why. You cannot have a president subject to 5,000 local district attorneys who have a bone to pick with the president of the United States. Or else, as the founder said, the president would be interfered with by Logie. called them. They called them in those days local magistrates. So I think we're going to win. I, I saw the district court's opinion. You know what I think? I think he's wrong. He's going to be reversed. And I now, think what we've seen in the courts the before with Clinton, is, is it, they're not asking for him. They're asking for documents you know, that could be uh, relevant to an investigation. You, you know, you mentioned you mentioned Clinton versus Jones, Supreme mm. Court case. They specifically reserved this issue, saying it did not raise that issue in Clinton versus Jones. The idea of a state proceeding interfering with the office of president of the United States in a criminal process. So. I, I completely disagree. I think well, that's was, the question was that was left point, open. But the premise, I think we carry the day. Uh, look, but, uh, but we'll, can I ask we'll you a question, Chris? Chris? Go ahead. Go ahead. Chris. All right. Go ahead. Let's go. You're, you're showed. What's next? Go ahead. Uh, look, I'm always have you, happy to have you weigh in on the dialogue. Let's transfer from the legal to the political. Yeah. You, you can conflate the two, though, uh, as needed when it comes to impeachment. Here's what I don't get, Jay. I don't see a fair reading of that phone call and the surrounding context as we understand it from Mr. Volcker, who I say every night. This president has never badmouthed Volcker. No one around him has ever disparaged the strength of his integrity or his testimony. And Volcker made it clear in his testimony, as far as we understand it, and the texts, people around the president who care about him thought it was wrong, that he shouldn't do it, and they tried to fix it, including people in Ukraine. How can you look at what he did there and not say it was wrong? I'm not saying illegal. I'm not saying impeachable, but wrong. Well, my job is the lawyer. So my job is not to weigh in on the political aspect of this. I will tell you, I think this is political theater that's going on right now. But first of all, none of us know, you don't know what Volcker actually said behind closed doors. We've heard bits and pieces of it that come out. We don't know what, what he said. I don't know but all I, of I it. I look true. at the transcript. No, no, no. True. We, none of us do. So I look at the transcript mm. and I look at the transcript and I say, is there anything in that transcript that rises to the level of an impeachable offense. And if you look at the entire transcript and even look at the conversation with about my colleague Rudy Giuliani or, or Vice President Biden or his son, it is about five lines of a, a supposedly a 30 minute conversation. I'm sure it was being translated. It was being translated. So let's say it was, you know, 15 or 16 minutes, probably a minute and a half to make that an impeachable offense is absurd. But let's talk about you. You mentioned well, but the it's politics not just about the phone call. What, it's about the months long planning that went into it. Let me ask you this. What is the standard of an impeachable offense to you, counselor? 
Well, I mean, the Constitution says high crimes and misdemeanors. So what does that mean? So I don't see, well, you know, here's what it means. It means that a conversation from a head of state to another head of state that exactly what that transcript shows never could reach the idea of a high crime or misdemeanor. What is the high crime or misdemeanor involved in there? Such you a gross yourself, abuse Chris. of office. Such a gross abuse of office that you use the State Department, and where is the that, White House, and the Department of Justice to try to secure relief in your election by finding dirt on an opponent that Ukraine had to deliver you know, or risk not getting valuable aid to fight off the Russians. That's very interesting, except it's not true. So that's not what the transcript Which part says. That's it? an interesting comment. Which reminds me of the Adam Schiff. Well, let's go. Let's let's compare it. Why don't you actually read the transcript? Many times. I like someone to read the actual transcript. Just I read have. it. Top Many to times. bottom. I read it top okay. to bottom well, of my Adam radio Schiff show. Was, I read it Adam Schiff times. Was, Congressman, yeah, Congressman Schiff was supposed to read it, but instead of that, he made up a story. That was after, by the way, and this is why I want to talk about, you said you want to talk about the politics. Let's talk about for, that right. for a moment. Go ahead. First of all, the politics of impeachment. First, it was Russia. No collusion. Then it was obstruction, no obstruction. Then remember Robert Mueller, which everybody's basically forgotten about? He didn't say no obstruction. He didn't say no obstruction. He said, I'm not looking at obstruction because I can't indict a sitting president. Then he gave us a list of 10 things. There was no obstruction. They said, and Robert Mueller Bill Barr said it, and that's what you think the American people are going to rely on his word at this point? That that's dispositive. You think, you think the American people are going to buy the Robert Mueller report as a basement of impe- a basis of impeachment? Of they're not, not using so it. So what does it become now? Which I think now hurts it's them politically. That they're not using it. Yeah, I think it's they're a problem. They it. said it was they're so important, use it. and now they're not using it. Because we talked about that. I was on your show the day of that testimony, Chris, and you and I both said it. And, and so were the commentators on CNN saying it. That was an abysmal performance, or whatever that was. Now, let's take it a step further. Now, in the Judiciary Committee, if this, by the way, there's been no articles of impeachment or voting on the full floor of the House. They don't have to do no. that. Okay, so what happens? So right now in the Judiciary Committee, we don't get to call the— I don't think that's correct because it, it says is. the House and the Constitution. The well, House. The House not has the power. It says— it has the House has the power. How they administer that power is up to their own rules, and it is not in House procedure that oh, they so have you, to have you, a full chamber the, vote. You think the House's rules? Let me get you. Let me give you a little Constitution 101. You're, you're a smart lawyer. Guess what? House rules can't override the Constitution of the United States, so they can't make a rule that's not uh, that goes against the Constitution. But let's assume where there it is, is right no now. rule we're, that goes against the Constitution. They just started in the committee. They'll have to the have Consti- a vote as the Constitution requires on whether or not ah, there are actionable articles of impeachment. They, if they get a simple majority yeah, which there, they have, which, they, which we That's all it. agree they have not had. OK, not so we all no. agree they have not had not and so far in the Judiciary Committee. I don't get to the White House counsel does not. We don't get to ask questions. We don't get to call witnesses. We can't take depositions. This is this is you talk about a lack of. It's process. a political process. This is a farce, Chris. And this, the trial is in the it's Senate. It's political theater. The trial's in the Senate. It's political. You know, that, yeah, but the impeachment process. Who, so who are they going to call as their witness? Let's talk about this for a moment, Chris. Who's the witness going to be? We've got a whistleblower that we can't identify because of the whistleblower statute. Good. Right. So we don't get to cross-examine that individual. Why right? should you? But there's going to be a basis of an article of impeachment? Yes. So, oh, that whistleblower they don't want to use anymore, though. Remember, because that whistleblower forgot to tell the inspector general that they were in conversations with Adam Schiff, who no, forgot to no, tell the no. American people. First of in fact, all, told him the other. First of all, Schiff, now they've got Schiff got early two. word we've on this the, guy. Hold on, hold on, Jay. Schiff got early word. So did the White House when the whistleblower went to their agency's counsel and the counsel uh, went to the White House and the DOJ. So everybody got early word. That's fine. But just make this very clear to the American well, well, people. Well, Adam Schiff said he did not get an did, early word. He, well, so of course he did. The guy, the guy came to you him. So I, I call that early broadcast. word. I call that early word. No, if somebody comes an, to you about he it. He said he did. But hey, Chris. 
He said he did not get an early word. He is the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, and he said he did not get an early word. He said that I'm not, I'm not TV. disagreeing with you he about that. He did not get I'm an not early disagreeing. word. I'm saying okay. I think he did get early word on the whistleblower. Uh, what he said is for him to well, justify. Well, the I'm whistleblower telling didn't you, bother to put that in the inspector general. That's report, fine. In the I, I say then discount the whistleblower. In there. Discount the whistleblower. We don't need it. They we have the transcript, the transcript and we have the context of right. the texts from Volcker. And just to be clear, this is How a political do you have process. The you don't get to have a Chris, lawyer come in my friend. and argue before Congress for you with articles of impeachment. You don't do that. No, crit, crit. Well, that's not, if you remember, do you remember the Clinton impeachment proceeding? Yes. Would you remember what happened in the House of Representatives during the Star Report? Yeah, I do. Okay. And? Oh, so that was a hearing. No, the lawyers, I know those are hearings, but I'm questions. saying that it's up to them and their They had rules. their Star Report. It just ended up being the Bob Mueller Report and didn't work out so well. Well, so now we have now we've got Ukraine. That was that was an actual impeachment process. It wasn't a special counsel. It wasn't an extension of the DOJ. It's exclusively political. And then it goes in that star was the last one. Then you go to the Senate and they have the trial. My point is this. High crime and misdemeanor doesn't exist outside of politics. Chris, how do you have the transcript of this conversation? How do you have it? The president. Ele- elected to release it. Yes. So much for the, that, by the way, it was, remember, it was quid pro quo. Then it was cover up, except the transcript was released. Then it was whistleblower one. Now we've got whistleblower two. It doesn't matter what whistleblower two says. That's the opinion of some. Uh, uh, you, you don't know, need any of it. Whoever you've got it is, the transcript and, and you've I, got the text of the people we gave who you are the around him. The White House released the transcript. But that's what you should do. You didn't do me a favor, brother. This is the president of the United States. Think, I shouldn't way, have to beg you for you transparency. Had, let me you talk should to you offer about it up. Your taxes, Chris, the transcripts. Hey, Chris, do you think, do you, hey, do you think it's really a good practice to start giving out transcripts of head of state conversations? Do you think that's a good practice? Something when you, be excited you about? are not no. telling the truth about asking a foreign power to investigate your political we opponent, you the surrender the deference of that type of confidentiality. You never surrender the deference of the United States Constitution, my friend. It's not the Constitution. The Constitution doesn't protect that transcript. And by the way, it didn't protect Corey Lewandowski when the White House said he's got executive privilege. He never even worked in the White House, Jay. You guys are playing games, too. Fair point. You don't, have to, you don't have to work in the White House to have executive privilege. How? That's the where it extends have already to. interpreted that. What are you talking no, about? No, it extends to people giving advice to the president. But that wasn't I mean, his capacity. The has to function they as only the, use as it the, with people who work in the White House in that capacity for the president. Not, and I think he should have that, well, that privilege. But that's not what Corey Lewandowski well, was. That's game playing. And you release the call. Good for you. No, release your taxes, come on, Chris. Too. You know what you, you want? You know what you're asking? You're, you're, you want to cut and piece the, the Constitution to suit the None end game this, here. And you know what the problem with that is? That's dangerous for the entire people country. People are using the Constitution so a as a sword out, a and a shield. Out. You gave the transcript out, or what if it exists? It wasn't transcribed, really, from like a well, recorded what, I call. I mean, it's what they, okay, but, that's what. But it's what okay. they have, and I don't love their protocols, and I don't love how they put it in this password protected place either. I, I don't like that either. Hey, look, that's not my, that's not my zone, okay? That's not, I, I'm, the, I'm the president's counsel. I am not the White House counsel, and you know I'm that. I'm not you know blaming that. you for but it. I'm saying I, I don't like no. it. And I'm saying that high crimes and misdemeanors, Jay, it only exists in politics. And it's about, according to our so founding Chris, fathers, it's about you know people the, in positions of public end? trust how abusing this, you, that power. Okay, Chris, yes, Chris, sir. you're a smart guy. How does this end? How does this end? I Do you think, really believe the president of the United States will be impeached and convicted in the United States Senate based on that phone call with Ukraine? Do you really believe that? 
You I do don't not. think it's. I don't think that's a fair uh, a representation. It, the the well, that's phone what the Constitution call, requires. Hold on, you're hold the on. one who said the Senate phone call Senate makes is the trial. a window into a months long effort by this president, his counsel, wait, wait not you, wait. Rudy Giuliani, State Department officials, the White House, and the Department of Justice to help this president promote you his don't get own to personal political agenda. Well, the, you the don't, call, you I'm don't saying the call is just a piece a of evidence. It's a window into all these things so he what, did. What's the Look rest of the, the evidence? Te- the text. What's the rest of the evidence? The text. Prove your, prove he, your, the text. What the text show? He what wants show? the deliverables. We, in Who the, does? And t- the president. That's what his guy Sondland, who's testifying tomorrow, forget- said. He wants the deliverable. Taylor, the ambassador he put in, says, I don't think we should have Ukraine assistance predicated on how they do in our election. Do you, you don't think, though, that the president, do you don't think that transcript violates the law, though, right? I mean, you don't think it's a, cons- a legal violation. Uh, I think abuse right? of power is a very significant thing for these proceedings. I don't see treason or bribery, that, do but I don't that- think it's an exhaustive list. But I got to go. Yeah, I'm well, out of time, okay. Jake. It's not a high crime or misdemeanor. There you I go. I understand your take on it. We'll see what the Democrats can Thanks. make as a case. And I always appreciate you sussing it out for us from the Thanks, president's Chris. perspective. My Be pleasure. well. I'll see you again Thanks. soon. Thank you for watching. CNN Tonight will digest what happened here. and. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking. Call me country. Beyonce and Nashville's renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash call me country. Max subscription required.